Brian Gutekunst on the podium earlier in the NFL Combine uh, this week saying that they had received no phone calls for Aaron Rodgers. None. Zip. Zilch. Well, Rowdy, explain to the, the tweet you sent me yesterday. Yeah, so what I sent to you, and I believe RJ was in on that one, it was basically that there were sources coming from Denver that there was, that there was a trade or at least potentially interest in trading for Aaron Rodgers, which I think everyone knew was a thing, right? Yes. Just because look at what they did. They hired Nathaniel Hackett. They hired some guys that had relationships with Rodgers in the past. Yeah, they some guy hired, like lost his jock in college. Yeah, they hired um, for, for former college, college teammates and people that had uh, somewhat standing with Aaron Rodgers. And we had already heard from Mark Schlereth and other insiders that they were interested since last year during the draft. And why wouldn't you be? It's the MVP. And your quarterback was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would definitely want Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So with that, Rowdy, what's the tweet you sent? Basically, see, I can't find the tweet. Oh, I have it right here in front of me. Well, I got your back, brother. Basically, the proposed trade or value for Aaron Rodgers was three to four first round picks. And Devontae (laughs) Adams was a first rounder. Three to four first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. Same goes for Price and Devontae, one first round pick. And the Broncos are, quote, not willing to pay the price. Yeah, they weren't they weren't willing to do it, which I understand for those two guys. (laughs) Like, think about it. If they together want about eighty million dollars, yeah, and the sal- and the the cap is going to be like what two ten to two fifteen, that's a huge chunk of your salary cap. Plus, you'd have to give up four to five first round picks. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Good luck fielding the team around them. Yeah, what is this? The L.A. Rams? Like you might be <laughs> you might be pretty good for like that one year where you had Adams and and Rogers, and you were still able to afford some of the other pieces on your team. But after the first year, it's going to just get harder and harder to keep that roster. And it's not like, in my opinion, Denver is a 100% Super Bowl roster. Yeah. I think it's a it's a decent roster. It's it's not a top roster in my mind. Yeah. Um. So, but I did see earlier this week that Nathaniel Hackett was saying, or the Broncos reports that they're going to be very aggressive in their pursuit for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but everyone, as Ted DiBiase said, everyone has a price, but sometimes people don't want to pony up that price. Three to four first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers, and the same goes for Devontae Adams, one first-round pick. Okay, say that that actually was the the offer on the table. You get four first-rounders for Rodgers and one for Devontae Adams. Would you do it? And they were both going to be shipped to Denver. Would you do it? God, that's, that's five, five first-round first picks. picks. Now I would have to imagine. Cool. I, I don't. I don't know next. Denver's draft picks off the top of my head, but I would doubt that they have double first rounders in, in any draft. So yeah. it'd be five straight years of their first round pick. Yeah, you'd have to imagine that with their current roster, Rogers and Devontae Adams, that that team would be much better than what they had been. For sure. So those picks would probably be lower. be lower in the draft. Probably at least in the twenties or lower, mm-hmm. which the Packers are always picking anyways in the first round. But with the team that they're currently putting out there, if Jordan Love isn't much, that might be a higher pick. But mm-hmm. yes, it, most likely, if the division stayed the same for the next year or two for the Packers and Love was still even able to win the division, it's going to be two picks in the twenties or later. God, yeah. what a conundrum! Uh, I still think you run it back with Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, that's what's going to happen. I mean, there are other reports came out yesterday that sources say Rodgers most likely back with the Packers. Well, it, no, duh. Even if you even if you do land those five picks, 
on a from a really good GM that hits, he'll get three good players out of them. Yeah. Well, you just traded away two of them, and they're two of the best guys at their position. Yeah. So the question is... Uh, You'll never actually get back your true value no. for Aaron Rodgers. You might get back true value for Devontae Adams because it's a lot easier to go find a receiver that can be an all-pro than it is to find a, I don't know, generational quarterback. Totally. You might, Everyone's looking yeah, for a generational you, you quarterback. You might be able to get your value back on Devontae. I don't think you ever get your value back on Aaron Rodgers unless one There's of no those way. four picks turns into a next top 10 quarterback. Everyone's always looking for that generational quarterback, and they, more times than not, come up snake eyes. Like, isn't that what the search is always Let's for? Let's be honest. Has a lot of... There's 32 NFL franchises. Mm-hmm. How many of those franchises in general have had generational quarterbacks? Well, look at the ones that have the most opportunity in the Browns and the Lions. I mean, I guess the could you say the Lions had Stafford, but the, everything else around them stunk? I don't even want to say gener- yeah. eh, generational might be a little much, much. How about just top five quarterback in the league at any point in their in their franchise history? I mean, just like Jaguars, Browns, Lions. Well, I mean, well, Stafford's different because he was good, but he's just the Lions suck. Jaguars had Mark Brunel. <laughs> Have have the Ravens? Have the Ravens? They've been a quality franchise for the last two decades. They had Dilfer. No. Have they ever had no. a star quarterback? No. Now no. Lamar Jackson is pretty good, but yeah. is he a, a top five clear cut guy? Yeah, he had one MVP year, but yeah. like, this year he didn't look like it. No. Has Cincinnati ever no. had like a great outstanding quarterback? Well, no. Burl, Burl's had two years. Yeah. Boomer well, okay. Where do, where do you stack? Where would Cleveland Phillip, Browns? Where does Philip Rivers stack up for the Chargers? Otto though? Graham. Where would you, where would you put Philip Rivers? Bernie Where would Cozart. I put Phillip Rivers? For the Chargers. I would say he's a franchise quarterback. No, I mean, like, is he, like, he's on a... Where does he... he I generational think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah. And then look at them. They've, you know, it's it's tough to but do. But, like, you go right down the... Almost every team outside of the Steelers in the AFC North hasn't had a relevant quarterback in the last 40 years. The AFC South, Deshaun Watson probably on his way out. Yeah. Jacksonville, they've they've never had an outstanding quarterback. Mark nope. Bruno. Tennessee Titans, what? Steve McNair, probably their best <laughs> David quarterback. Gerard. Come on. RJ's, RJ's expectations are different than ours. <laughs> you you just go right through it. There's more franchises than you think that really never had a good oh, yeah. quarterback. What about Cuddy? Jay Cutler. He he's, he had great he got, intangibles. He wasn't a great quarterback. He's got better numbers than Troy Aikman, and Aikman's a Hall yes. of Famer. Yeah, well, he had yeah, in Super Bowls though. Yep. Like New York Giants. Dude, I just I saw I an article yesterday or two days like, ago. Eli Manning was not great. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, no, he he was, was a decent quarterback and he had good defenses and he found ways to win. Kudos to him for those two years. Saw yeah. a hilarious article yesterday. Is Daniel Jones the answer in New York? It's like if you're still yeah. trying to think that, then go get your head checked. He's not. Daniel Danny Dimes stinks. Breaking news yesterday, Rowdy, and this is very riveting stuff. Sources say, Bleacher Report, Pro Football Focus, you name it, that Aaron Rodgers most likely back with the Packers. Wow, shocking. No duh. I love I was listening to some other shows yesterday after our show, Rowdy, and it was just these chuckleheads like lamenting the fact that Rodgers just needs to tell us what he's doing. He's holding his team hostage. Rodgers, I can't stand him. Rodgers said many times that his decision will come before free agency begins. That's March 16th, is it not, Rowdy? Yep, 12 days. We are. Yeah. 
12, straight, so closer. straight from the horse's mouth, Aaron Rodgers, who have said it a few times, my decision will come sooner than later. It will be before free agency begins, and I want to do it so I can help my team out. I don't know where these other talking heads get this like in their brain that Aaron Rodgers is holding the team hostage when they don't listen. Clean out your ears and listen what Rodgers has said. I'll, I'll listen to Deanna Rossini, who says sources say that it's going to come out sooner rather than later. Pro Football Focus says it's most likely. Rodgers has said multiple times that it will be before free agency begins. That's March 16th. I don't know what more you want from the guy. You must be deaf or dumb or stupid or both. I don't know what it is. Well, and the thing that I, ju- I just don't get here is that timeline has not hit. That date has not hit. I understand if you want to be pissed off because, say, Rodgers gives out the when free agency starts date, yeah, March sixteenth. Yeah, we're not there yet. No, if if it was March, if we wake up wake up Monday and it was March seventeenth and we still hadn't heard anything, yeah, then I get why you'd be angry. Yeah. He'd be holding him hostage. He said one thing and he did another. Exactly. Uh, then I get where you'd be coming from with your frustration. Rodgers has done nothing that he said he wouldn't do. It's just like the people freaking out about him signing a contract for you know fifty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. He says it's categorically false. Yeah, well, there he's going to ask for fifty or forty. Yeah, there are there are reports out there saying you know he's looking for this, he's looking for that. Until he actually signs a deal or does something, it's all just hearsay. And well, they just want to hate Rogers to hate Rogers. And the funniest thing about it is, did you see what the NFL actually, did yesterday? I actually don't care if he gets $50 million if it's uh, structured correctly where it's not a ton of money against the cap. Like, there's a lot of different ways this can happen. Well, there are talking heads that you know are Packer people, but just hate Rogers. And here's one reason why. Did you see yesterday at Rowdy, the NFL has now done away with all COVID-19 protocols. I did. It is done. Over. Zip, not a zilch. So I was watching the Combine yesterday, and they had... Ian Rappaport on and he was talking about all of that and he's like yep they just woke up today and They're done it's done We're no done more so a lot of people probably upset over it yesterday Rowdy uh, I was like are you still gonna be mad at Rogers for stuff now Ooh, yeah he's holding the team hostage so did you listen to what he said <laughs> he said before free agency begins it's on March 16th <laughs> yeah the NFL done with all of their COVID policies just done it's over Love it. All right, but Rowdy, then this report came out. It was what? That uh, the Denver Broncos are going to be very aggressive in pursuing Aaron Rodgers. Brian Gutekunst then said, you know what? I haven't gotten any phone calls for trades for Aaron Rodgers. And then sources come out yesterday to say that Aaron Rodgers, uh, the not the Broncos aren't willing to pay the price, which is three to four first-round picks. And same goes for Devontae Adams. It's a one first-round pick. So potential five first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers. I know you wanted to continue this conversation we had from earlier, Rowdy. Five first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams combined. That's a lot. That's a lot of picks. And it, Sources say. It makes sense why Denver wouldn't be interested in Aaron Rodgers anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of draft capital, five first-round picks, especially because, now again, I don't know exactly where Denver has for, for draft capital, but I know for sure that they don't have five first round picks this year. So it's not like you're going to be loading up on a ton of first round picks and selecting every other pick this year. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be spaced out probably one per year. Yeah. And then you would still obviously have yours. But the biggest thing is you have to hit on them. And how often does that happen? If you could get two out of the five or three out of the five, 
Brian Gutekunst is probably doing a pretty good job if he can get some solid starters. Yeah. But those solid starters are never going to equal what Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, especially with that relationship, because it's starting to get on the same level as the Jordy Nelson Aaron Rodgers relationship mm-hmm. on the field. Yeah. I just never I just never think you actually get your value. And I understand it, but at the same time, I feel like me personally, if I was going to be a, a GM, I have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You're the reigning I, MVP. I Two go, time. I go back through like all of his playoffs, and yeah, he's he hasn't played his greatest football in the playoffs. Now he's had some games where he's been phenomenal in the playoffs. Yeah. But I go right through all the games that they've lost with Aaron Rodgers, and it'd be like, okay, well, I think Aaron Rodgers definitely won them two or three games in the playoffs easily just by himself. Totally. I think he probably lost two or three games in the playoffs just by himself. Definitely. But a lot of those a lot of those playoff games, he's been a net neutral. Now granted, from a top 5 quarterback, you're probably going to want him to play better. You want him but he positive. has but he hasn't been the sole reason on why you lost. Well, what the defense average given up 30 what was it 34 it was, before it was, this run? Yeah, before this playoffs, it was like 36 points a game in playoff losses. No, you had the defense, incredible defense performance against the Niners. It's just Rodgers didn't perform, and the special teams definitely botched it. So throw that out because we just haven't, you know, the research department hasn't figured it out yet for that average. But the defense, special teams, just insane plays like, you know, I guess it goes to special teams like Brandon Bostic. I mean, you can go back and find all this stuff. Uh, me personally, if I'm the GM, you, first you got to figure out what's going on. Two, you got to make those tough decisions with who's going to be cut, who's going to be extended, because we're, st- we're still probably going to see a lot of those moves. Well, we have to see moves since they're the David Bakhtiari. There were no void years. Yeah. So instead of saving, what was it, roughly nine point three, they saved seven point seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit less now that total that was between 28 and 29 is now roughly 31 million dollars. So, yeah, they have to have moves here in the next 12 days. Yep. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Do you believe real quick? Do you believe the three to four first round picks for Rodgers? And I believe the number one of one first round pick for Devante. Do you believe the three to four first rounders for Aaron Rodgers? Like that, like was floated out there. Yeah, especially looking at the Stafford, what what the uh, yeah. Lions got back for Stafford. Yeah, I believe that's the price. And you know the Packers don't want to move on. That's why they're saying it. But Brian Gutekunst made it clear. If you believe all the stuff he says on the podium, Matt Lafleur is like crying on the podium about it. So I, I just think at this point, you go in and you try and figure it out what you can do these next few years because you'll never get your value. Then you end up trading Rodgers. I could see it, you know, in a couple of years if he's still playing at age like forty. Yeah. When you're like, ah, eh, he's starting to fall off a little bit. We didn't. We aren't going to get top value, but we're going to get some good value, and we'll go from there. I, I just don't get why you turn your back on such a great quarterback so quickly when. Well, As Packer fans, they know it's because he took what Iver- it's like to be horrible in the seventies and eighties. Well, I know to get in the mind of some of them, it's because he took Ivermectin and monoclonal antibodies and zinc. That's why. I just, I just don't know. That's why you know what it is. If you have five first round picks, and then you'd have your own five first round picks in the next five years, you'd have ten first round picks. Brian Gutekunst would do a hell of a job if he nailed five solid starters. Yeah, It's because he didn't die from COVID. That's why they're mad. Boy, do I love me some Fridays. Number one, weekend's upon us. Number two, and not to be confused with any number two here. No, no, no. Number one in all of our hearts, Dave Esler. 
Handicapper to the stars. Good morning, Dave. How are we doing today? We're doing awesome. I mean, Hell yeah. I was just talking to Roddy. It's going to be like 80 perfectly sunny and no humidity today. So, Well, here in Wisconsin? Yeah, well, did I miss something? Um, you must have. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that I, do, I, I do want to know. I have a question for Roddy. Yeah. You guys, you guys were talking about Super Bowl rosters, and does Denver have one? Um without Aaron Rodgers or even with Aaron Rodgers. My question is, do the Packers have a Super Bowl roster without Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, well, history history tells us that maybe not. Man. With Aaron Rodgers, I think without um, screw-ups, which seem to happen every single year since 2010, I think they, they're pretty close to it. And they're closer than Denver. Am I? Am I argue that with you, uh, Dave? I'm but gonna, I want to. I want to see what they do here with who gets cut, who gets signed, and what they do in the draft. Dave, well, you, you, who, you, who, you, who, gets, who gets cut and who gets signed is probably more than fifty percent salary cap related anymore. You're trying to put me in a predicament where I want to. I don't want to speak ill of my Green Bay Packers, so I'm going to yeah. lean on. I'm going to lean on Hale really quick to answer uh, the question for you. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. There you go. Uh, Hale had to jump in there. If you're familiar with the Space Odyssey 2001, Dave. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, Dave, let me ask you. So yeah. we were talking a little bit about it. Uh, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but you know, rumors turn to reports, reports turn to, uh, wait, what does it go, Rowdy? Rumors to sources, sources it's to rumors reports? Rumors to sources to reports, and Dave, all those are only right about half the time. Yeah, so uh, this person said a source told him that the Broncos were not willing to pay the price on Aaron Rodgers. But if you were a a GM, Dave, would you try and pull the trigger? Aaron Rodgers, three to four first round picks. And same goes for Devontae Adams, a a one first round pick. Would you, would you get five first round picks for those two? Would you trade them away if you were GM of the Packers? Absolutely not. I agree with Brody. I mean, some teams do that and they mortgage their future. I mean, Denver would be mortgaging next year Mm. or the year after next. I mean, that's just, that's just too much to pay. I don't. Nobody. Nobody's going to do that. I mean, I guess maybe Tampa Bay might. <laughs> the LA Rams might. I mean, they've already done it, kind yeah, of. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but the I thing with know. the Rams is, if you trade with the Rams because they may be willing to do it, you also wouldn't get their draft picks from like what? It'd be like twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. You get them in like the twenty thirties. Yeah, but my Rogers isn't going to go to Jacksonville. I'm sorry. No. Well, by that time, the Packers might be in line for drafting Arch Manning. <laughs> it's a predicament. At least, at least my Patriots. It was pretty cut and dried. Yeah. Hey, Dave, how's everything going, man? I see you get posting dubs all the time on Twitter. You still just cashing those checks, baby? Um, lately, I have been. Yes. That's because we have. You. That's why we have you on, Dave. Because you are the. But I have to. Man. I have to take. A, I have to take a little break. Um, uh, you're the, you're the, you, you know, every uh, artist of every song on the world. Oh, um, oh, you heard Scotty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm impressed. I mean, I didn't think I could Google that quick. Well, um, Dave, it's all top of the dome, baby. Uh, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. But uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night, I'm going to see what's left of the beach boys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. They're still touring. Yeah, I guess. I mean, is the ghost right, of, is the ghost of they're, right in, they're right here in St. Augustine. It was like a hundred bucks. I mean, why wouldn't I go do that? Is the ghost of Charlie Manson going to be performing too? He was with them for a bit. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think Dennis Wilson is going to be there too. 
Uh, bring some psychedelics because that's what they loved back in the day. I'm going to yeah, a bluegrass but, show tonight called Billy Strings, Dave. Well, it'll be a next Wednesday. Foreigners coming to say, oh, Augustine. dude, oh my God, Dave. I was I, my mom and I were going to go to Foreigner on the greatest, their the hits tour, and then effing COVID happened. So like everything oh, well, shut down. Then two days later, supposed to be the Foreigner concert. I'm so pissed that I missed it. I'm jealous right now, dude. Well, you know what? I will definitely take some pictures and. And, and send them to Rowdy or then post them on Twitter and tag you. Yeah, please do, Dave. Uh, man, foreigner. Uh, you know, I love to get the knife in the back. I'm, I'm good at that. Uh, well, Dave, you are you run hot-blooded, dude. You're just a dirty white boy, as foreigners yeah, suggest. Yes, I am, and I told my wife that. And your bets are cold. As, well, actually, they're cold as ice, but in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Look so, at you go. Look at you go. <laughs> Dave, I've been waiting for a better like you. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of practice at 7 a.m. every single day, Monday through Friday. So, <laughs> Dave, speaking of bets, I've been waiting on a better like you, man. Uh, I want to know what uh, payment is, right? I don't want to live without a winning bet. It's urgent that you be our over-the-line box hero, Dave, and give us a winning bet. Say you will, please. <laughs> Uh, for today, yes, you, please. You, you need instant gratification. Yeah, because it feels like the first time that I'm talking with you. I, you know, I just rattled I, off I like eight foreigner songs. I can't keep up this early. In the I just morning. rattled off eight foreigner songs, Dave. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I went, I'm trying to figure out your Bucks the Bulls game. That's a tough one, but uh, I like the Pelicans and the Utah Jazz under. I like. Uh, in conference tournaments in, in college basketball, I actually like the Winthrop and High Point under, Ooh. and I know I'm digging there. Um, Akron and Central Michigan under. Uh, those are three that I bet tonight. And uh, I'm looking at the rest of them. That, you know, all these little conference tournaments, they're generally juicy because juicy. You, get, you get sort of not great teams that played in the first round, didn't have a first round bye, and they – they blew somebody out. Somebody's going, oh, they won by 30. And then they play a better team today that's rested and hasn't played in four days. Yeah. And everybody everybody thinks, oh, I'm taking that big underdog. Well, I don't know about all that. I mean, they're, they're certainly overvalued. And then you got um, the, the uh, like, tomorrow and Sunday, like, even, you know, in the Big Ten, they're, um, you know, they're playing their last regular season game tonight. I hate betting against home teams in their last regular season game. I mean, even if you look this week in a lot of the smaller conferences, even some of the bad home teams won. But for now, uh, like in the Big Ten where it, where it totally matters, it's all about seeding. And, you know, I look Sunday and I look at, you know, I mean, nobody can uh, – Illinois can't catch Wisconsin no matter what happens Yeah, for the number one seed. But – Nebraska has nothing to lose. It's the Badgers' last home game. Are the Badgers really going to give a crap about beating the hell out of Nebraska? Okay, so this is – I wanted to ask you on this, Dave. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're playing some head games here, and when I talk to you oh. and I look at Rowdy, it's like double vision. Do you, think, do you think that went over my head? Well, okay. <laughs> Dave, I'm a fool for you anyway, okay? But uh, it's like double vision here when I look at you and Rowdy because I know that you guys kind of uh, lean the same way on this. Rowdy, what's the look-ahead line for Wisconsin-Nebraska? Well, just doing it basically at probably 13 to 15, according to some of the numbers that I use, and 
there's no way that I could bet Wisconsin at that number. Well, let me ask you, Dave, and you were alluding to this with you know they got to share the Big Ten. Do they give a crap about Nebraska? Who's the worst in the Big Ten? Would you bet Nebraska then on Sunday if it is that thirteen to fifteen? Would you take those points? Um, it's entirely possible, but if I was going to take Wisconsin, I would take them for the first half. Okay, so you'd break it up. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the Badgers' last home game, you know, I'm sure they got, you know, a bunch of seniors that don't see the floor very much. Um, but actually, they don't. Yeah. You know, maybe, Brad maybe, Davison. Uh, he's yeah, like, oh, he's but, like going to school to be a doctor. He's been like eight years. Yeah, but I mean, he plays 87% of the minutes as yeah. it is. Yeah. But, you know, they might get some of the younger guys out there for more minutes. Um, so I, I, I could see, you know, I mean, they got the conference tournament coming up in, you know, a matter of days. You know, are they going to let Johnny Davis play 37 minutes? No way in hell. <laughs> so some like, and we've said this before. Sometimes the best bet to make is, you know, not at all. So maybe exactly. just kind of stay away. Hey Dave, when it comes to March Madness, uh, Rowdy was sniffing this out. Um, I know the odds had changed, but Rowdy, tell Dave what you found for Badgers and where it's at now. If you'd still take it. Well, yeah, this Actually. was roughly a week ago where they were 101 with 24 teams ahead of them for better odds to win the NCAA tournament. Then they go out there and win a game. I think it was they win last weekend and it moved to 80 to one. And now with the win over Purdue, it's like 50 to one. But yeah, 100 to one for Wisconsin to win the tournament. I know it doesn't necessarily suit them with uh, playing back-to-back games, but I just didn't think there were 24 teams better than them. Yeah, does Dave Esser make a little flyer on a future for who would win the NCAA tournament? No, not yet. No, you're just wait, waiting in the weeds? Yeah, I mean, I want to see the matchups. I mean, yeah. you know, they get a, you know, they get a, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, Memphis is an interesting team. Can they win it all? No, probably not. But, um, you know, it, Memphis can beat anyone. And it's all going to matter where they seed Memphis. You know, they might give Memphis um, a relatively easy first weekend because they don't want to put Memphis who like, if you put him on the ladder, they would maybe be a whatever seed and have to play a top team. Like, you know, say, you know, Wisconsin or whoever. And they definitely don't want the committee doesn't want Memphis, you know, knocking out a, 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 a Kentucky, a Gonzaga, an Iowa, a Kansas, a Duke Villanova in like the first weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I want to see sort of the, the, the passive victory, really, because that matters so much. I mean, you get teams that they just struggle against teams that make them run or struggle against teams that make them slow down. If you look at teams that are, you know, 24 and 5, if you look at their five losses, sometimes you'll find they all fit the same type of basketball with, you know, great three-point shooting and or slow this or whatever. And it's invariable that in the first round, the committee will match, you know, one of those teams that just really gets struggling when they have to slow down, like, you know, maybe a Duke or whatever. They'll match them against like an Atlantic Sun team that just walks, you know. (laughs) So they're not going to probably lose to them, but the threat is there. So it's pretty tricky. The threat. Dave Esler, I love it, dude. All right, so speaking of Coach K, before I let you go, Dave, 
Did you see the, the 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 ticket prices are just insane going for that final home game on Saturday? Uh, does Dave Essler, yay or nay on Coach K? You a fan or are you glad he's going to be gone? Or what is it for you and Coach K and his final home game coming up here with this last season? I've always been a fan. I mean, he's always telling it like it is. Yeah, what you and, love doing. I get it. And, I mean, how can you argue his track record? 41 years of habitual winning. Yeah, I mean, you know. I would be a fan. I mean, he's kind of like the Bill Belichick of college basketball. Many say yeah. that he's the Dave Essler of uh, gambling. Well, that may well be, and it'll probably come out next year if he is. <laughs> you see him at a poker table with Kim Kardashian, and you'll know. Oh, with the uh, reflective glasses on? Exactly. <laughs> What's he, he, doing? He, has to, he has to have every advantage. I wouldn't blame him one bit. <laughs> hey, Dave, what you doing this weekend, my man, besides uh, some Beach Boys? Uh, well, I'm probably, well, I can't tell you tomorrow. You would, you would, um, oh, probably <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to go help out, uh, at a church cleaning up people's yards. Hell yeah, Dave. Giving back my man. You do it all. And, don't you, Dave? Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. It depends how you look at it. Hey, if I, you... pace my, I pace myself. I'm too old anymore. Well, if, if you feel, you know, I always would want to hang out with you in Wisconsin. I'm always trying to get you up here. If you feel the inkling to do it. My yard desperately needs cleaning up. The snow all just melted. There's still like sticks and there's like leaves. If you want, it's there for you. I can, if, I, if I can do it with a lawn tractor, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I got a push mower, so. Sorry. All right. Now I'll get you up here one of these times, right, brother? I hope so. <laughs> Dave, we love you, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the music. And well done on you giving back and helping out. That's some good stuff. We love you, man. We'll follow along all Twitter, right. Dave underscore Essler, and all the awesome picks. Yeah, you guys be careful. Have a good weekend yourself. And here you go. This is for you, buddy. Little jukebox hero, Dave. You like it? Yeah. Turn it on and rip the knob off, Dave. Have a good weekend, brother. You too, Dave. See you, buddy. Dave Asler, I love that guy. My man. Dan, Half the Battle Podcast. Find him on Twitter. Best Fight Picks. Dan, my man. What's up, dude? Uh, Doing absolutely amazing. You know, it's always awesome when I get to talk with y'all. Oh, see, like I like when I, I butter you up, then I like it even more when you butter me up, Dan. It feels <laughs> feels really good. What's going on, dude? How have you been? What's uh, catch us up on the the life of Dan so far? Oh man, been great, been great. Just excited for these fights, man. As usual, you know, there's a a big rivalry going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. They got the fans in attendance. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more. Viva Las Vegas! Is it a rivalry, Dan, or is this all played up? Oh uh, no, it's a rivalry for sure. I mean, maybe they might be turning it up, turning it up to a hundred on the cameras. That's for sure. But if you think behind closed doors they're shaking hands and you know being friends, uh, you're mistaken. Now the rivalry we're talking about here is Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Yes, sir. Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal for the UFC 272 main event. So these guys, these guys were buddies in a previous life. Yes. Oh, uh, not only were they buddies, they were roommates. And you can actually go on YouTube and find footage of these guys wrestling and in, in each other's apartment. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like they were like best friends. They were in each other's corners for multiple fights. Um, you know, apparently money got in the way of things. You know, ah. one guy didn't allegedly didn't pay his coach, and the other guy, you know, recommended that coach, and it, you know, it spiraled out of control. They now train at different gyms. Now uh, they're about to get into a fist fight in, uh, on a Saturday night inside a steel cage for all of our entertainment. See, Dan, that was always what I was wondering. It was like, how did they go from being roommates and like guys that joked around and hung out all the time to literally, uh, well, if you look at it on its surface, hating each other? <laughs> Money, right? Yeah. Money. 
Man, money gets in the way of the things. Root you guys of all know evil. The root of all evil, Dan, money. Yeah. yeah, the root of all evil and also the root of everything we're trying to make, right? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a win-lose situation sometimes. So, Dan, on this, Covington is a pretty big favorite over uh, Masvidal, yeah? Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so. Listen, I mean, that doesn't mean he's a lock to win the fight, but he absolutely should be the favorite here. I mean, he had two back-and-forth fights with the current champion, Kamaru Uzman, and he's established himself as the clear-cut number one contender in the division. And to take it a step further, guys, there's a style that's really emerging now in MMA where it's not just about being a wrestler because, you know, you can go out there and shoot a takedown and, you know, second round comes around and you're exhausted. But these guys coming up now that can shoot, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten takedowns and they don't get tired. They don't get discouraged if you if you stuff the first few. Those guys are money machines. And, yeah, this specific one might not hit. That specific one might not hit. But you're going to hit these guys. You're going to make money off these guys seven out of ten, eight out of ten, nine out of ten times. So long term, as long as you get a good line on them, uh, I would hammer this angle all day at the betting window. And when you look at Jorge Masvidal, you look at him and you go, yeah, he was just kind of like a, a decent rostered fighter. Then all of a sudden he has a spectacular knockout of Darren Till. He has the famous five-second knockout of uh, Ben Askren. <laughs> ben Askren and then he, he wins the BMF belt against, let's be honest, Nate Diaz, who's seen better days. There's there's a lot of miles on that, uh, that truck there. But outside of those three fights, it's been pretty average for Jorge Masvidal. Like he blew up on those three fights. Is he, is he just more on his name alone, Dan? Just like he's a name. Yeah. But I don't want people to sit here and discredit him because I mean, this is a guy that like, yeah. when I was in high school, I would like be at like my girlfriend's apartment watching this guy on like some come in the bedroom. Karen, honey, I'm watching Masvidal. <laughs> I, I'm watching Masvidal fight Paul <laughs> Daly on shark fights, uh, on this bootleg stream. <laughs> she, she'll understand. Right. Yeah. So, uh, He's been doing his thing a long time. Well, even when you can find like grainy backyard videos of him fighting bare knuckles with like Kimbo Slice. Yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? He grew up in that. Oh, yeah, 100% he was in that, man. I mean, like, you got to understand, like, this guy made his professional debut in 2003. I forget he's old. I forget he's older. guys. This guy's been paying his dues a long time. 37 years old, right? I forget he's older. It seems like the last year or so, he's starting to look old. Dude, Dan, I mean, not to get off uh, track really quick here, but I remember the first time I watched those backyard fights and seeing Kimbo Slice. I'm like, oh my god, this be- this stuff is nuts. And to, if you're Jorge Masvidal who's coming up through that, you got to be one stone cold killer. Oh yeah, and I mean he's he definitely is. Um, and, and you see in the way he fights, you know, it's always an exciting fight. And for the most part, not always, but for the most part, when he loses fights, it's usually like a competitive decision. Um, you know, the only time I can really think about him truly getting blown out the water was actually his most recent fight against Kamaru Usman, where he got knocked out um, for the very first time, actually. But to his credit, he's had close to a year to recover. So that's a good thing. And then on the Colby side of things, while his fight with Kamaru was more competitive, it was also a brutal tooth and nail back and forth fight. But the fundamental difference is it was only a few months ago. So I do have questions about, you know, has he taken the proper amount of time off after such a war, you know, to come back out here and perform at his best? Because, you know, I often think and listen, I'm no doctor. And I mean, you can call me Dr. Levy if you want, but I ain't no doctor. So when uh, someone goes through a 
<laughs> when someone goes through a brutal war or gets knocked out, like I want to see them take off, you know, at least six months to a year. Uh, Colby's most recent fight was November 6th, guys. So, you know, it is a pretty quick turnaround, hey, relatively dance, speaking. Dan's on a doctor, but it'll take a look, Rowdy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're darn right. <laughs> well, this is, this is like my basic handicap of Covington versus Masvidal versus uh, Kamara Usman versus Masvidal. Kobe Covington at this point, I thought first fight he was beating Kamara Usman until he got uh, torched. And then the second (laughs) one, it was pretty competitive. And again, Usman pulled it out. Well, in my opinion, outside of the first round in Jorge Masvidal versus Kamara Usman, it really wasn't competitive. It was just Usman just completely dominating him. I feel like Kobe Covington is clearly the second best fighter in this weight class, and he's almost just a poor man's Kamara Usman. Their wrestling backgrounds, both in really good shape, both have solid boxing. He's just not quite as good as Usman. Yeah, no, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that, and I I do think it's a fair assessment currently. However, I think that that's going to change very, very quickly. And I I don't mean necessarily that Jorge is going to win the fight, but what I do mean, however, is that these 170 pounders that are coming up now like uh all divisions in the ufc right now if you look at the rankings like there's about to be a massive ushering out the rankings like what i mean by that is if you actually get down to the nitty-gritty colby covington hasn't beat a single person that's currently ranked in the top 15 but you got these guys coming up you got the vicente lucas you got the Bilal muhammad's you got the hamzat chimaevs i'm telling you right now even this kid shafkat rachmanov like these guys are gonna usher out you know the neil magnes the uh the jorge masvidal the wonder boy thompson's um even the colby covington so uh, be on the lookout for for all the weight classes to go through a big evolution here. Uh, Dan from Half the Battle joining us right now. Find him on Twitter, Best Fight Picks. Dan, you just went unconscious with those names, by the way. It takes me like a week to learn one of them. You just rattled them off, no problem. Uh, Rowdy, you had a couple bets. I want you to, can you run them by Dan, the ones you took really quick, and see if Dan gives you his blessings? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Ooh, this was probably closer to a week ago when I was looking ahead to UFC 272. We were both on Yan, and I always mess up her last name, so I'm going to leave it at Yan. Yeah, Yan Zhaonan, um, she's, listen, um, I've bet on her all of her UFC fights. Um, she's 6-1 and one in the UFC, so therefore I'm 6-1 and one yeah. betting her at the, at the betting window. And listen, I'm not guaranteeing a win here. I think that her opponent is very, very tough. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a big difference in picking winners and betting on fights. Betting on fights is about getting value. And when I saw a plus 250 next to her name, you know, that just kind of seems like recency bias to me because she lost her last fight against a wrestler who also beat uh, her upcoming opponent, Marina Rodriguez. So to me, like I take zero stock out of that. I see this being a very close and competitive striking match. And if that if I'm right about this being that competitive fight that I think it's going to be, then there's a lot of value on that plus 250. Like, you know, again, it's not all about winning and losing. If I go out there and I lose a split decision, but I had a plus 250 ticket on it, like if I keep making that bet over and over, I'm going to be on the right side yeah, of the, of the coin long term. And that's all I care about. Yeah. And I think definitely when you look at this, another rule of thumb when betting women's MMA, if it's not the Amanda Nunez of the world or some of those real top echelon dominant women fighters, betting two to one or three to one favorites consistently long term, like you're saying, you're going to be a loser. 
Yeah, exactly. I have a saying, don't bet chalk unless it's a lock. And um, <laughs> you have to have all your bases covered if you're betting minus money as far as I'm concerned. I love it. So, Dan, I, I, I had that bet, and then the other one I gave out today, it was a little parlay. Sometimes once football season gets over, we like to do a little MMA parlay on Fridays. And we that, coined it here, the MMA parlay. That that one for today is going to be Tangier Ulanbekov. I also had that parlayed with Kevin Holland and Kobe Covington for about plus 140. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I, I do think all three legs hit. The ones I'm most confident on are actually the first two. And I myself also have Kevin Holland parlayed. However, I haven't parlayed with someone that's fighting in two weeks named Patty Pimblett, who I think the UFC are really trying to blow up and they're giving him very favorable matchups. And like, I understand for the people listening at home, like, what do you mean? Is I got to wait from the weeks. UK. Is that a dude from the UK like with the weird haircut? Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> and listen, I understand you got to wait two weeks, but it's going to hit. So parlay like Kevin Holland and Patty Pimblett. And I do like the Tagir Ulanbekov uh, leg as well. You know, a lot of people are, are on Tim Elliott this weekend. And He's to sloppy. me, you know, I, I just kind of have like this thing, like I don't bet against Russians and I don't bet against Africans. So for that reason, yeah, I mean, here and there, you know, a Russian might lose, an African might lose. But, like, for the most part, if you're from the country of Russia or the continent of Africa, like, I'm not betting against you, period. So, yeah, I got to gear as well. See, Tim Elliott, to me, when I watch him, he's, like, the guy that, like, if you bet on him, he's got to be the most frustrating guy to ever bet on because he's awkward. He, like, he's sloppy to me with his technique. He gets in bad positions, but he, like, weasels his way out of stuff. <laughs> like, I just don't see a guy that's a good technical wrestler from Dagestan literally just letting Tim Elliott find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, it's one of these things where Tim Elliott, you got to uh, separate being a fan and being a betting man. As a fan, yeah, we love Tim Elliott. He does wild stuff out there. He, he'll do a cartwheel in the middle of a fight. He'll, <laughs> you know, he'll go for all kinds of unorthodox techniques. So as a fan, yeah, we love watching wild men like that. But at the betting window, he's completely unreliable. And he doesn't beat guys that belong in the UFC. So if Tim Elliott were to actually go out there and beat a Russian, that would be quite the statement. Hey, Dan, uh, I want to go back to because I was watching Fight Night last Saturday. What's your saying again? If, if it ain't chalk, what, what was it again? If it ain't don't bet, don't bet chalk unless it's a lock. Okay, that's what it was. I was I've almost made my own. If it ain't chalk, take a walk. All right, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy Rowdy last Saturday had the uh, Islam. Uh, I was screw his name up as Makov Maka, How do you say it? Islam Ma- Makachev. Makachev. I watched that fight. What is he minus eight hundred? You got him at Rowdy. This, he was part of our parlay. He's and, like the extra throw in. And I saw your tweet, Dan. Uh, no Bobby Green slander. I was watching though the Islam. Say it again for me. Makachev. Makachev. He just destroyed Bobby Green like it was nothing. He just ate him up and spit him out. But Bobby Green stepped in uh, like last minute, right? So nothing but props to Bobby Green. But that Makachev dude is a that guy's insane. He's a beast. Uh- Oh, yeah, man. I mean, a lot of people truly think that this guy is the heir apparent to Habib Nurmagomedov. I mean, you're dealing with a guy, again, back to the talk, um, you know, he's from Russia and fighters from that part of the world. I mean, I don't know what it is, but they win a lot. I mean, this guy's record is 21 and one, gentlemen. So, you know, and I'm just glad that, you know, Bobby Green, you know, who is a big fan favorite, someone I also grew up watching similar to Jorge Masvidal. I'm just glad he didn't take too much damage. And, you know, yeah. he got a nice little paycheck and can come back, you know, 
couple months down the road. But yeah, this guy Islam Makachev, man, wow. you got to look out for him. And that's back to what I was talking about, guys. These these fighters that can attempt, you know, takedown after takedown after takedown, they're going to be money machines. And yeah, obviously in this spot he was minus eight hundred, and you know, you obviously can't make too much off of minus eight hundred. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here is when you get these guys at a nice price. Uh, hammer and the bet I'm going to give out on this show Ooh. is a similar guy. His name is Bryce Mitchell. And the thing about him, he's only minus 150 at the betting window. He's fighting one of the scariest strikers in the history of the sport named Edson Barboza. However, Bryce Mitchell, he's not going to come out here and fight with his ego. Look, if Bryce Mitchell decides to stand and bang with Edson Barboza, not only uh, do I deserve to lose my bet, but he <laughs> deserves to get knocked out. However, this is a guy where you can stuff the first takedown, you can stuff the second, third, fourth, fifth takedowns, but he's going to be there composed and ready for that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth takedown. And when he gets on top of Edson, Edson ain't getting back up. So, yeah, I hammered that uh, Bryce Mitchell money line. Man. Well, Dan, the reason why all those guys from Dagestan are so good, all you need to do is find some of the YouTube videos of their like uh, wrestling practices. Uh, don't my, they, re- they wrestle bears? My lord, they're like <laughs> five to like twelve years old doing like flips and moves that you'll see like at the college level here in the United States. Yeah, a hundred percent. And guys, like I have a whole list of these guys that I'm talking about with this betting angle. And you know, anybody listening at home, um, if you got good memory, remember this. If you got a pen and paper, write this down. But these names, like, look, I'm not saying there's going to be a 100% hit rate, but I'm saying if you bet on these guys long term, you will be on the right side of the coin. You know, just assuming that the price is nice, because I know with a guy like Islam Makachev, like, he's probably going to be like minus 800 every fight. But you got these guys like Bryce Mitchell. You got Bilal Muhammad. I got plus 200 on Bilal Muhammad against uh, Wonderboy, who's almost 40 years old. <laughs> um, you got the Hamza Chimaevs. There's this kid named Ronnie Lawrence who no one knows about. He's an absolute machine. You got this kid, Nick Maximov. Um, so I can keep going on and on. If you check out my show, Half the Battle, I name all the guys that have that specific style. And if you bet them long term, you are going to come out on top. And that is my 2022 campaign to hammer these wrestlers that um, don't get tired. Because, again, it's one thing to bet on a guy who he's got one takedown in him and then he's fatigued. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this new style where these guys can just shoot relentlessly. Don't get tired. That's the kind of style that's going to break your opponent. Dan, you are literally the man, dude. Thanks so much for the info. And, yes, I suggest everybody go check out Half the Battle, uh, Hell the Podcast, and follow him on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. So we're not talking about, like, the Greg Hardy yeah, in he's shape a, type he's thing, a, right? He's a loser. <laughs> um, I mean, this is the thing with the Greg Hardy fight. Um his opponent, Sergey Spivak, has a very clear path to victory, which, back to the wrestling, if he gets on top of Hardy one time, He's the done. fight will be Good. over shortly I mean, after. Greg Hardy's a scumbag. Yeah, uh, of course, but, you know, when we're, when we're betting on that's fights, true. we gotta t- we got to put all that See, stuff on the back. If you're going to bet the fight, you have to, if you want to bet Greg Hardy, you have to bet him by knockout probably in the first round because the dude is not in shape. <laughs> well, it, let, let me say this. Um you know, I don't disagree with your sentiment, but what I will say is he's already the underdog anyway. Yeah. So, like, why, why, why get fancy with it? To me, if you want to bet Hardy, just bet him straight. However, his only path to victory is on the feet, and I'm telling you guys right now, if his opponent Spivak, his name is Sergey Spivak, he's from Moldova. If he decides, you know, because he actually got knocked out his last fight by a very good prospect from the UK named Tom Aspinall. Now. Assuming that he learned his lesson, hey, I don't need to stand and bang anymore. Why don't I just go take this guy down one time and win the fight? 
he does that. Spivak's going to finish Hardy. It's just about, you know, they are heavyweights. Spivak, you know, if he's kind of cocky, if he thinks, oh, Hardy's a bum, this and that, he wants to test the stand-up. I'm not saying he's not going to have success. I'm just saying that that's going to give Hardy his path to victory. So as long as Spivak comes out here and shoots these takedowns, he's going to finish this fight. So when it comes to making money, Dan, we take emotion out of it and just use the brain, right? Use the brain. Yeah, and, and that being said, even though we don't like Hardy, um, you know, take all that aside, he's very bad off his back like he will literally turtle up and and you know live to fight another day which listen i'd probably do the same thing but i'm not a fighter right so <laughs> you're uh, a lover at the, yeah <laughs> dan thanks so much man again half the battle incredible podcast um follow him on twitter you can see him live on twitter doing it as well dan have a fantastic weekend uh best of luck not that you need it on all the betting and have a awesome time for 272 and make videos. sure you get your brazilian steak before the fight yeah get the brazilian steak baby all right uh, you already know that good luck. How special garlic picanha. You already know medium rare. Yeah, um, baby, yeah. Hashtag free Cain Velasquez. And guys, thank you so much for having me um, to all the listeners. Guys, I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia. So big shout out to everybody in Wisconsin. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. And my podcast is called Half the Battle, available everywhere podcasts are found. Thank you guys very much. Yeah. All right. So, Nelly, when we were watching or, you know, as you and I were both watching, uh, some college basketball last night. Yeah, the thing that was happening to me was March Madness. Can't wait. I got the fever. I was thinking about the you know the Big Ten tournament. It's fine for the if they win it, that's great. If they you know you know don't win it, that's fine too. The Badgers. All I ask for is one win. One win. That's it. Right. Win one your win. first game against right now either Michigan or Indiana, and go into the Big Ten semifinals and call it good. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with that. And if they win the whole damn thing, cool. I kind of would prefer, no, this might sound weird. I kind of would prefer if maybe they, again, this might sound weird. and I don't really like losing. Don't make it to the championship game. Yeah. I don't, save their legs. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm thinking. I don't like losing. I don't like, like, I'm not rooting for a loss. But if they were to have, like, some crazy game and came up on the wrong side, I don't think it would be a bad thing. I don't think it would be a worst-case scenario. It would be, hey, the legs will be saved with an extra game. Am I wrong in thinking that, Robbie? No, well, you've also seen teams in the past that go on these deep tournament runs that were better teams that played three, four games in that, what, three, four days? Yeah. And then they come up a little lame in the NCAA tournament less than a week later. Yep. I'd be fine with that. No, we're not rooting for losses, obviously. But I'd be fine with it. And Rowdy would be fine with it. Just give me one win. One win in the Big Ten tournament. Because do you think, like Brad Davison, for example, um, some circles call him grandpa. I've heard him referred to as grandpa. Yeah, I mean, he he is the grandpa of Wisconsin basketball. Do you think with Brad Davison and the shooting woes that he has been in? Now, he did come alive... um, a little bit in the game previous to Purdue. Um, do you think that Brad Davison, with you know the amount of college basketball he has played, especially this year with the limited bench, that the reason why we've seen some shooting goals from Brad Davison is maybe he his legs are a little tired from a rowdy? I mean, he's still a young chicken, but he ain't spry like young as the other guys. Right? Yeah, I talked about this with a buddy who's a basketball guy, and I'm like, man, Brad Davison's at least for that last month, mm-hmm. he looks like he's short on a lot of his shots. Like mm-hmm. you think his legs are wearing down and he's like, it's college basketball. They play twice a week and they're like 23 Kids. to yeah, 18 <laughs> years yeah. old. And then he was trying to say, Oh, come on. But I don't know. I'm I bet maybe I bet a little bit. Maybe. Why? That, I mean, why couldn't it that be? Ben, we've talked about the bench pretty much all year. Not really being a factor on this team. 
And the bench has gotten thinner, right? Because Lauren Bowman is still out with a non-COVID illness. You hope he's okay. Uh, you know, you know. I know last year he had to step away and take some some family issues and some mental health issues. So you hope that Lauren Bowman's all right. So the bench though gets thinner. Lauren Bowman was a nice piece off of that bench, and now looking at the bench, I mean, it drops off real quick. Hell, was it yesterday that you and RJ were in the office looking up, uh, or maybe that was two days ago, looking up uh, the bench production and like we were talking about like Isaac Lindsay and. And some of the other guys, was that two days ago, whatever it was? It was sometime this yeah. week. You guys were digging into the bench of just how But also during the March Madness, just like in NBA playoffs, normally your bench shortens up too. So you're yeah, already going to force your starters to play more minutes. True. So, to, or not tonight, I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, this is an opportunity for the Wisconsin Badgers when they welcome in the Nebraska Cornhuskers to the Kohl Center to win the Big Ten Conference regular season title outright. If, I'm sorry, when they beat the Cornhuskers, Wisconsin will have done something they have not done since 2015, and that is win the Big Ten Conference outright. And then this is where I wanted to go uh, before we do t- dive into the NFL, some Green Bay Packers, the NFL Combine, also got Major League Baseball. Uh, we got some other uh, crazy college basketball stories. But, Rowdy, what I wanted to start out with was... The last time, again, that they won the outright conference, 2015, they went on to reach the NCAA championship game, Wisconsin versus Duke. My question now is, with how good the Badgers are, winning the Big Ten Conference on Sunday, I have no problem saying that, and then many people having them as a one seed to all the way down to a three seed, you were talking Sweet 16 earlier. Yep. My question now becomes, and I'm going to do a Twitter poll, where do we expect the Wisconsin Badgers what will be, quote, a successful season in the NCAA tournament in March Madness? Are you rowdy? And I've been on the Elite A train for a while. Are you still on a Sweet 16 appearance? Yeah, and I'm pretty firm on the Sweet 16. Firm? You're standing strong right there? I think everyone, after what the what the Badgers have done this year, especially winning the Big Ten, most likely winning it outright, but by the time we come back here on Monday, mm-hmm. If the Badgers went out in the first or second round, I feel like a lot of people would be disappointed. But when Very. you talk about March Madness, you talk about college basketball, obviously March Madness is one of the things you talk about. Yep. When you talk about March Madness, one of the first real legs of the tournament that people talk about is the Sweet 16. I think that's, for me, with where the expectations were for this team at the beginning of the year, being a, maybe a fringe tournament team, I'm completely okay with Sweet 16. If they if they make it to the Sweet 16, there's no way that you can even call this, this season or anything a failure because they weren't even supposed to be here. Correct. But, but expectations can change, right, Rowdy? Once you see how good this team is, Johnny Davis being a lottery pick, winning the, a share of the Big Ten right now and soon to win it outright. That's why I throw in that 2015 season because that was the last time they won it outright. And they went all the way to the national championship. Now, I know the year before, in 2014, they reached the Final Four and eventually lost to Kentucky uh, by one point. They had a crazy game of OT against Arizona. Uh, before that, beat Baylor, beat Oregon, and then sadly had to take down American. <laughs> Very unpatriotic of the Badgers there. But then you go back in that 2015 run, and now in March Madness too, Rowdy, and you've you've said this and we've said this, you you got to kind of have a little luck your way too, right? Like you gotta you gotta have things bounce your way. Uh, you go back and look at 2015. 
I mean, 2015, was there luck in that year? Look at, the, look at who they had to face. First, it was obviously the, the one seed, the 16 seed, Coastal Carolina. No one had ever lost to a 16 seed until Virginia did it a couple of years ago. And then they had to play, remember that Oregon game? Third round, the eight seed. Were you nervous about the Oregon Ducks? Well, Oregon, they hit. See, during that time period, those two years you talk about, they played Oregon like every single year. Yeah. And Oregon was a tough matchup, but they won both games. They did. So you had that in your back pocket. And then it was a sweet 16 game, the four seed North Carolina Tar Heels. Badgers have kind of had their way eh, to a degree with North Carolina. Were you nervous about that North Carolina game? I kind of was just because it was the name, right? The North Carolina Tar Heels. Roy Williams. Were you nervous about that at all in that Sweet 16? I don't know if you was, you would say nervous, but you were you were definitely confident that the Badgers should win the game as well, they were a top seed. Yeah, number, yeah. I would maybe just a maybe just a little just bit of because name. of the name because yeah. you know they get some of the best players in the country, but on paper and what they, both teams did that year, Badgers were supposed to win. Yep, and then you saw the bracket start to line up a little bit in 2015, and you're like, oh my god, Kentucky is still coming, but you had to take care of business. You get to the Elite Eight after you dispatch North Carolina in the Sweet 16, and that's that Arizona game, the two seed. That game, I was I was. I was sweating more than Sean Miller, Rowdy, before See, that Arizona going game. Into, going into that game, it was probably about the same same level as North Carolina for being worried. For Just because, if you remember, that Arizona team had a lot of the same players that it did the year before. Mm-hmm. And the Badgers, in my opinion, were a much better team the second year, which obviously they made it one yeah. step further in the tournament. But they were much more dominant that 2014-15 season than they were in the 13-14 season. Yeah. And Arizona, they had the same team, too, and I just thought that the Badgers should beat them as well. Yeah, like they did the year previous, uh, that overtime game. And then Rowdy... I I feel like for me, out of all those games, the one that was nerve-wracking, obviously gets a little bit more... Yeah, as you progress, for sure. Yeah, because you're getting closer and closer to the championship. Yeah. But I would say out of all those, the most nerve-wracking one for me to that point was probably Oregon. Because you had known really good Wisconsin. Common opponent. You didn't, yeah, and you had known really good Wisconsin teams in the past, had lost to teams that they definitely should have beat, mm-hmm. but you knew Oregon wasn't the greatest matchup and pushed you to the limits just the year before. Yeah, and it was like familiarity. And it's hard to beat a team, you know, X amount of times. And then, Rowdy, you came to the Final Four, the other number one seed, the Kentucky Wildcats, the revenge game. I was confident that the – I was feeling it. I'm like, the Badgers are going to do it. The Badgers are going to beat the Kentucky Wildcats. I had no problem thinking that. Now, obviously, the game was nuts. This was the first real game where I was like, where I was worried. Oh, really? <laughs> worried, See, worried. At this point, I'm just like, I felt team of destiny. I'm like, they they got their rematch. They're going to do it. I, I, obviously, I was worried and nervous. But that that number one versus number one, final four, Kentucky, Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins 71 to 64. Wow. Earth shattering of how crazy it was. And then... I mean, you had to have a little luck there, but the Badgers were just on, right? That's that's what everyone was on. Going into the national championship, I think everyone was nervous, but uh, once they beat Kentucky, yeah, I thought that was their championship. Same. They, so they, they were going to win it. Like when I think of the 2015 championship run, I th- I think of them beating Kentucky just as good as winning the national championship. And I know it's not, but you know what I'm saying? Like I think of that as as you just. It sounds bad to say because you didn't win the national championship, but but. Hanging that final form banner, knowing that you beat Kentucky to go to the championship game, is pretty special. 
And then speaking of luck and you're not having luck go your way, Justice Winslow, we all know he touched the ball, uh, changed the outcome of the game. And we all know that the referees ref the game differently down the stretch for, yeah. what was that, Jaleel Okafor? Yeah. I mean, disheartening, but still incredible you know, moment of getting to the national championship game. So there was the run in 2015 when the Badgers won the Big Ten outright in the regular season. Uh, they have that opportunity to do that on Sunday against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I'm looking at bracketology right now, Rowdy. Uh, they have Wisconsin as a number two seed out of Milwaukee. And you would be playing the Montana State to open it up. And then after Montana State, you would get the winner of Colorado State and North Carolina. On the other or the uh, Colorado State's actually sneaky good this year. How about North Carolina again coming in there? Yeah, Colorado State, the seventh seed. Uh, above them in San Diego would be St. Mary's versus Michigan and Texas Tech versus Seattle. How, I don't think Michigan's going to make a way, but I mean, do you have teams there that are very winnable if Wisconsin can get out? You know, Texas uh, Tech's a pretty good team. Yeah, they're the other the three seed right now. And then on the top of the bracket, uh, it's Gonzaga as the number one seed. And let's see who's uh, Alabama's the five, UCLA's the four, and then there's South Dakota State, uh, Towson, Iowa State, Creighton, and then the playing game, whatever. So Rowdy, th- looking at if the Badgers were to come out of Milwaukee and these seeds were to hold, I mean the number one seed's Gonzaga, the two seed obviously the Badgers, the three seed, uh, who did I say that belongs to? Texas Tech. The four seed would be UCLA. That if this is the West Division in San Francisco is where the Badgers are placed, uh, Milwaukee, but it's West in San Francisco. This is a very doable bracket for the Wisconsin Badgers. Well, obviously the number one seed being Gonzaga is going to be a problem. Yeah, but we've talked about Gonzaga a lot this week. Bunch of stinkers. But it's, we talked about the parity too, and yeah, how true. there's a lot of parity in college basketball, and that means especially if you have a player like Johnny Davis, you always have a shot. The one reason why. Gonzaga, outside of being one of the better teams in the country, and right there in that projection being the one seed, mm-hmm. they have a lot of big guys. Yeah, what they have, Timmy and uh, that other seven foot, whatever freshman. Chet? Yeah, Chet. Those those Hol- two guys Hol- would Chet be Holgram? matchup matchup problems for the Badgers down low. True, but there is also another big guy named. Well, they have multiple big guys. Zach Eady for the Purdue Boilermakers. Badgers swept Purdue for the first time in a couple of years here. And who's the only big guy that really gave props? Uh, Kofi Coburn. Yeah, but Timmy and Timmy and Chet are more talented than Edie. Edie's just <laughs> yeah, that's true. Lurch. He's for he's always he's, getting taller. I swear to God. I know he's like the thing. Um, let's see here. Chet Holmgren for uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Seven foot, one hundred and ninety five. He's like he's like Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant was even like more starved, uh, coming out of Texas college and then this dude is uh he's good he's good but the badgers they can push him around a little bit uh Edie a little bigger obviously kofi colburn a little bigger but these guys got more of like they're like more of that skill where they can step back and pop some threes and stuff so yeah it would and be timmy, a good matchup. timmy's an all-american baller so yeah yeah so interesting to look at the bracketology here for the badgers it looks a lot easier on paper if they're in this um you know this west region here coming out of milwaukee than it would be in the 2015 when you have the juggernauts that were the likes of you know North Carolina, Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, and you even throw back to Oregon. Looking at the Badgers on their side, if it does hold, Gonzaga, uh, UCLA, let's see here, St. Mary's, Texas Tech. Uh, the, name, the, the names just, Rowdy, aren't as big, I would say, as the 2015 run. But still, parity in college basketball. <laughs>